Yeah. Pick that little uh, mic up, mate. So as they're sitting down, the next thing here, just as they sit down, we're going to do a bit of intro. Again, to try and keep you guys included, we're going to have a bit of a chat, but there'll be moments you can mo vote on things. So for those of you that are connected on, on the Wi-Fi and uh, scan the QR code, um, you can vote on things here. <coughs> what topics are you most interested in us discussing? Your opportunity to just have some say here, and then we can make sure we cover these things. So as we do that, let's do a short intro. John, I'm going to come to you first. Um, yeah, tell us a bit about who you are that, for people that don't know who you are, and then we'll, we'll kick things off. Yeah, cool. No, thank you for the introduction. Uh, pleasure to be here. So my name's John Hitchin. I work for Strive Sales as a sales manager. Uh, we help SaaS vendors at early stage scale their go-to-market sales team. Uh, we do it all across North America and Europe. So I've been in recruitment for about 10 years for all my sins. And uh, yeah, pleasure to be here tonight. But Amy? Hi everyone, Ooh. my <laughs> name is Amy Steele. I work for Coalesce Management Consulting, which is a um, contracting consulting brand at Amoria Bond. Um, I'm the director of our renewable energy team. So we look after projects in North America and the EMEA region. Also been in recruitment just over 10 years as well. Um, been with the same company the entire time, so joined straight out of uni. Um, there we go, so, yeah. love it. <laughs> Hi everyone, so I'm the founder of Orbition. I've been in recruitment for almost 12 years, I think. Nice. Cracking on now. Um, so yeah, we do data analytics, kind of talent solutions across the UK, Europe and US per contract to be a consultancy. Okay, cool, love it. So let, let's just take a look back here, guys, so we can see what, what's coming up here. So we can, we can take a mental note of this, so as we can see, how to consistently attract shit-hot candidates, not surprised by that. How to consistently win great clients. And then we've got a couple that, how to grow my team business. Yeah, okay, cool. Perfect. So how we're gonna do this is, the, the sort of first half of this chat, we're gonna focus on the current market. What have we learned in the last six months? What smart decisions do we think that we made at the beginning of the year that have played out? Why, what are the challenges? Um, and then again, we're going to have something here that you can vote on so you guys can share some of your challenges, make sure we speak about them, and then we'll then move on to talking about the next six to 12 months. Not just to shout about, oh, there's a fucking economic downturn and it's all negative. We want to use Ooh. this, yeah, we want to use this time to hopefully just share insights, share how are these people thinking about the next six to 12 months? What are they making sure their teams are prioritizing and why? Um, and also, well, yeah, what, what decisions are they making that they feel like are going to be decisions they're going to thank themselves for in, in six, 12 months' time. So I guess to, to kick it off, Carl, I'm going to come to you. Um, talk to me, like, what comes up for you when I say, like, how, how, how would you describe the last six months in, in recruitment world? How, how would you describe that? Um, difficult question for me to answer, mate, really, because obviously I'm an owner of a business, right? So I think what I think about may be slightly different to what some of the audience want to understand. I think it's been record quarter after quarter for most businesses. So I think the market's been really good, as yeah. you'd expect. Um, not too sure <laughs> what more there is to say <laughs> other, than, other than that, to be honest. I mean, it's been, right. it's been really good. It's been, you know, growth. There's been big deal after big deal. There's been record after record. Um, okay. Yeah. Amy, have you had record after record? Yeah, it's been, it's been the same, actually. I think everyone spoke about the bounce back after COVID and it's been bigger than we could have ever even imagined. Some right. of the results that we're seeing from some of the consultants is just unbelievable. Um, breaking boundaries of what we ever thought was possible. We've always been a business where billing has been the, the number one and it's an incredibly competitive company. And we used to have like a handful of people in that sort of 500k plus bracket now we've got like 30 percent of the company or more in that bracket going into this year just because of how busy the market's been it's absolutely wild we make a joke we always call it the wild west but it actually is so john we're sick of hearing about quarter after quarter so i'm not going to ask you that question so talk just prepared my answer <laughs> <laughs> no so like yeah we can go on linkedin and, and get that obviously so what what have, been, what have been the challenges that have manifested in, in your team from your perspective over the last six months? Yes, 
maybe you've been, had record quarters as well, but what, what have been the, the challenges that you guys have had to navigate? Um, it's a good question, really. Um, I guess challenges from a, from a business perspective, like I think everyone will know in Manchester, like it's a really busy area for recruiters and mm. it's very competitive to hire really A-player recruiters as well. Uh, we work in a different business to these two guys. We're a bit of a startup, so we're about 25, 30 strong and you know, we're building out L&D functions now. So obviously we, we like to bring in people who maybe have a little bit of experience. Mm. Um, so for us, like a huge focus is obviously hiring people and ramping them up and giving them sort of everything they need to support themselves and ha run a successful desk. Um, you know, from an internal point of view, that's the challenge. From an external point of view, like we, we, we've been quite lucky really, like every year in recruitment's a roller coaster. Like, yeah. No matter if it's a recession or a boom, really. Um, you know, we, we've we've had record-breaking quarters. We've missed. It's just, um, yeah, roller coaster. <laughs> so, so let obviously what what people shared at the beginning was very much things focused on winning clients, candidate stuff. So let, let, let's get into that. So Carl, I'm gonna come to you. Obviously, as you said, had record quarters, fine. But what? <laughs> All right, mate. <laughs> no, so I guess what, what I wanna find out from you is then, if, if you have, what has consistently been like the number one thing that's enabled you and your team to attract candidates, to ha have the best people that you're working with to, to speak to your customers about, because there's no way you're doing those numbers and the record quarters unless you get very good at that. So, like, what have you found amongst your team to continue to work when it comes to attracting candidates, whatever that may be? What, what does that look like in your business? So again, probably a little bit different because we're still startup, right? So less than two year old. So to have a record quarter is not probably a massive thing, but you know, um, nice. like the hey, just, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest, right? But um, look, the, the business has done really well. I think the, the biggest thing that we've probably focused on around candidate attraction is multiple routes to market, okay, multiple channels in terms of how you're trying to go about attracting these people. Um, in any boom market, obviously, most candidates are being hammered non stop. So, one of the things that we've had a big focus on is looking at how do you articulate a message that gets a response mm. ultimately like what what's the compelling narrative and i think we we have a big conversation up front with our clients around understanding what that is from their perspective um because ultimately you know these projects that they're trying to deliver whatever that may be they're as only as successful as the people you've got in situ you've got to have good people to do that to get yeah. good people you've got to have a good story so I think recruitment's probably been lucky in the last 12 months or so that it's been a boom because most recruiters have had the chance to pick and choose who they work with and people who've had the most compelling stories. But I think that multiple channel, multiple approach, creating a narrative that's like important, but how you articulate that and deliver that, that's been the big thing that we've probably so had a focus would, on. What would you say are the principles then of getting a response? <sighs> I don't think there's a one size fits all for that, mate. I think it's understanding the particular role that you work in, the company you're working for, yeah. understanding your audience who you're trying to attract, what makes them tick, and articulating the narrative, whether that's message, whether it's an email, whether it's a phone call, whatever it is, mm. getting to that point of getting them hooked because ultimately, you know, they're going to be 10, 15 messages a day, probably, right? So it's how do you cut through the noise? Yeah, yeah. And then just, just quickly, because so you, when you said multi channel, what does that look like? So we were doing a bit of training on this actually the day. So obviously, you know, you've got LinkedIn, you've got your email campaigns with Sourcewell, you've got your CRM. We were yep. talking about utilizing things like GitHub or Twitter or whatever the case may be, right? You know, if yeah. you if you narrow your search down to the top 10%, they're the people you want to get hold of. Are you going above and beyond to get hold of those people? Because that's mm. normally the difference between win or lose. And then, John, let me come to you then. What, like, looking internally, what, what would you say has been the most effective way that you and your team have consistently had a positive flow of candidates coming through that pipeline that you've got people to speak to your clients about? What, what does that look like at, at Strive? Yeah, no, good question. So we recruit sales individuals. Um, okay. So I think for like us in the industry, they can tell what we're doing. Um, they, they know our approach. They know what the first cold call contact looks like. And... They're probably assessing our objection handles. So 
for us, uh, similar to Kyle, really, like, you know, you look at those top 10% of candidates for the job, um, yeah. you know, who, who meet the brief, um, put them through a number of multiple touch points and LinkedIn, text messages, phone calls, emails. Uh, we do something a bit different with video headhunting as well. It's like personalized videos, which has been been great. Like our um, our reaction rate to that has grown significantly. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously when you cold call their email, it's like single digits. Um, this is by far double digit sort of candidate attraction. So that helps us get to those little pockets of candidates, which our competitors can't. Um, and then hence obviously ends in a bit, a lot of value to our clients. I'm gonna put you on the spot here. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you to do like a video. Head I've had three beers, first. mate. Come on. <laughs> No, that'd be savage. What again? I'm gonna ask you because like people would be interested. Okay, okay. It, you might use Audro, Hinterview. You might use Vidyard. You might whatever whatever video tool that you use. Like again, I'm sure you work with your team with this. What, what, what is like the core thing these guys here need to get right when it comes to video outreach? Like, because I'm sure this is a constant thing you improve on. But number one piece of advice when it comes to video outreach and and, and nailing that, do you think? Yeah, no, really good point. Um, so obviously when you, when you do your video, um, you know, make it super personalized. I think just if, you sit, if you're making a video and it's not even got the name in it or it's not on the profile. The whiteboards, little whiteboards. Little whiteboard, yeah. you know, hi, Sheem, it's John. <laughs> um, you know, telling them a little bit like, like your experience from X, Y, and Z or whatever it is. Um, I think personalization is key in that. And, mm. you know, as soon as they watch the video, it's about keeping engagement. So like what format are you going to use on the video to ensure you've got a, a structured script um, that it gets to your call to action at the end. So nice. process and personalization is key there. Nice, thanks for sharing. Uh, Amy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to share a bit about the, the, the BD side. I know when me and you recorded the podcast, that seemed like a really strong area for you. Like you said, you've got people in your business getting to the crazy numbers more quicker. So how, how have you made sure that they've remained motivated to still make time for business development, still get on the phone to speak to great clients and those things? Like how, yeah, how has sort of your team's motivation around BD played out if they're doing record quarters and, and things are going well? How, how does that look? I think because with my business division, it's, it's effectively contract. Yeah you could get a termination out of the blue at any time. So you're constantly chasing your tail on your runners. And with a contract business, you have to be prospecting every single day, no matter what. I know with Perm, you're effectively starting at zero every single month. And there's an argument to say when you've got a contract book, you know what you're billing, you know what you're being paid regardless. But actually the, the contract jobs, they are a little bit fewer and far between, particularly these high level projects and you have to have the discipline to say no to a perm job or say no to a job that's outside of your core market because you're never going to really become an expert and a specialist and make your job easy for yourself where you can redeploy candidates and you've got people coming to you because you really are the go-to person so with with my team we, we put a strategy in place around the type of calls that we're making okay. so we use the candidates that we've got either the ones that are coming off a project that we need to redeploy onto something new so ring competitors sell them in and say they're coming off a project on this date you know are you interested um again because it's all about the technical piece with us we take references on everybody because we're just measured purely on the performance of our contractors that's it really um it's a lot more transactional it's it's although it is a really in-depth service a client doesn't necessarily see it that way they see it as more outsourced so the way we're judged on our service is really the quality of the contractor that we've got on site so we reference everybody and that's a business development call in itself so we'll flip that book as many meetings as we can follow up contract leads and we have to be really really tight on leads because the jobs are fewer and far between mm. most clients do want perm people you know that's that's the reality yeah. and it's really easy to slip into the trap of thinking i'll just pick up a few perm jobs but can't do it you're running that subscription model you've got to stick to it so you need to follow up your leads take your references book as book meetings with as many people as possible and provide a bespoke solution to that client based on what they want it might just be manpower they might want mobilization materials all these other parts as part of it 
But I just say to my team all the time, there could be a better client out there. Really? And every client has a shelf life. It's sad to think that, but but they do at the end of the day. It always makes me laugh with recruitment because you do a really good job for a client. You place lots of people and suddenly they want a discount. So you're almost being punished for doing a good job. <laughs> but you have to explain to them, you know, every person is unique. It's not like you're manufacturing a part when the volume goes up. It's cheaper for us, it isn't. Mm. Um, and eventually clients always get to the point where they want a discount or they want to try a new supplier. So you've just constantly got to be prospecting all the time because there's always a better client out there. What's like the, the go, obviously hear that a lot, what's like the, the go-to strategy on like flipping a reference call? Like, cause that's... Yeah, so I think the, the key thing with the reference is you're subliminally selling your service by taking the reference anyway, because not everybody does that. And then at the end of the call, it's you can say, look, we, we obviously work in the same sort of areas. We supply people or we deliver on projects in the area that you're responsible for. I think it would be really beneficial for us to meet and, and discuss further how the two businesses can work in partnership. And because it's a pretty warm call, they don't really realize it's a sales call more often than not, they're, they're very keen to meet you. And it's so easy to jump on Teams or Zoom these days. Yeah. Um, I get my guys to attend like 15, 20 meetings a month minimum just to keep that new business flow coming. Nice. And then Carl, what, how, how have things manifested for you then? What, what's been the most consistent and effective way for you guys to win in great clients and do well on that side? Um, so everything's brand related for us, mate. Like brand we related. Have, yeah, we have a, a very big push, you know, marketing, relationship, content, brand. So obviously the podcast, the events, stuff like that. And it's it's not too dissimilar to what Amy's just said about, you know, reference calls and flipping it. It's yeah, the yeah. same it's the same method. You're just talking to them about something different. So how does that actually play out then for people? Because I think a lot of people can be cynical about that, right? Just keep seeing you posting on LinkedIn, thinking, fucking hell, is this guy gonna shut up? Does he not talk, stop talking? Is it just to benefit himself? Like, how does it actually yeah, play out? It is. <laughs> how does it play out for the guys? Like, how does it, how does it help your guys stand out when it comes to BD that you, got, you have a podcast or you have a round table series <laughs> or whatever? Like, how does that actually play out? Well, the reality, so we did an exercise on this, mate, as a business. So all the revenue that we've had from when we started the business has come back, it's 100% inbound to okay. us now that's been instances where we've instigated that relationship through the podcast or through yeah. an event or whatever the case may be but ultimately there the client is the the aggressor in the relationship so we have a big focus on like community community is our thing like adding value back to the community so yeah. as soon you know and i think that's you know we'll probably get into this later on but that i think that's the way it's going yeah um and as soon as you start to, to do that, you know, you're again, subliminally selling what you do. You know, it, give, it gives you an opportunity to be credible, to sell what you do without it being like a sales call per se. Okay. And then John coming to you then, same sort of question, like when it comes to effective BD, what, what's continued to play out for your guys? What's continued to be the, the best, most fruitful activity, if there is one, what, what's, what's played out for you guys? Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like BD's so huge in recruitment, but I think when we, we sat down, particularly, you know, Adam and Harrison, who are, who are the business owner at Strive, like we just identified that there was a certain type of client we did really well with. Okay. Um, and in our industry, like if, if you look at it broadly, there's thousands and thousands of clients. Um, and when you start to like zone into your tier one client, like what, where am I going to get a return on investment? And then just map out the market from there and, and obviously add value to them and, do everything these guys have said, whether it's flipping a reference, whether it's specking in, whether it's cold calls and adding value in any certain way. So we just kind of found our sweet spot early on and been able to sort of really target it. So yeah, so you really focused on like, yeah, the, the clients that you can serve most, the clients that you have yeah. the best results with and then focus your energy on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Uh, and it's done really well. And then we're really fortunate in our industry that we can carry that over into different continent. Um, we can just expand the client. So you know, maybe one day we'll get to a point where we want to, where we branch into a new market and it's like doing it completely again. But there's a, there's a few sectors we work in and we work in a really exciting industry. So it's, we're zoned in now and we know where we're going. So Carl, I'm going to come to you on this question. This, this was submitted by someone. I think it's an interesting one and maybe a challenge that has manifested in the last six months. So how, how have you balanced the recruitment needs of your clients with the headcount in the business to fulfill those requirements? Like, I feel like it could be easy to be like... Lol. What's that? I said lol. 
Like, how um, have you? Because I feel like, yeah, you, 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 yeah, you might have experienced a lot of opportunities, big business, but you're thinking, are we actually gonna be able to fucking deliver on this? Yeah, hundred percent. So everything that we do typically is done at scale. So everything is retained in some way, shape, or form, and it's normally project led. So even on the perm side, so you know, it might be five hires immediately. It might be. 20 hires over the next 12 months and obviously that from a business perspective poses a challenge because you know all it takes one call you're onto something then all of a sudden you're like shit you know i've got 20 hires to deliver and not enough people so that's that's probably been one of the biggest challenges in terms of you know growth as yeah. john mentioned earlier about trying to hire people internally that's that's always a, a, a big challenge but so have you have you have you said no have you created a waiting list have you said like <laughs> to for clients yeah they're all they're all waiting outside mate <laughs> um, <laughs> but like how have you yeah how have you juggled that have you yeah have you just had to have you know where the limit is um with the resources so we've had we we, we've had a few you know there's been things that have been in the pipeline for a while that we've purposely not gone after that aggressively in terms of us following up you know okay. conversations where the client's saying yeah we're interested in this type of project or yeah. proposal and you know we'll we'll send a proposal and then we're happy to sit on that for a couple of weeks while we wait to clear off some work um but obviously the team's growing taking shape you know that stuff's now starting to mm. really tick over so um but it's like anything right the <laughs> the more you grow just the more you win yeah. The challenge never goes away. It's just at a bigger scale. So. Okay. So an another question, which I think links quite nicely into this. Amy, I'm going to come to you on this. I don't know how you feel about this with your experience, but like what, what would you say, what was shared was, what would you say would be your like top tips, best advice when it comes to um, expanding existing accounts? I don't know if that's something you really drive within your team, but like, again, how have you gone about, if you're looking at your current client, but right now, what have been... The, the best ways to get them to spend more money with you and create extra revenue streams? Like how, how has that played out? So I think the first thing is you've got to provide an exceptional service. Ultimately, our product is people. So you have to get to the best candidates in the quickest space of time and manage that process as streamlined and as effectively as possible. Because if you're not gonna do that, you're not doing your job properly. So that is absolutely priority number one. Once you've done that, it's about getting testimonials from the people that you've worked with, getting borrowed authority for them to go to their colleagues and say, I've worked with this supplier, they've done a really good job for me, you should try them. I've always been a really, really big believer in meetings. Okay. Um, and that's something that I really drive home with, with my team as well. And as a business, actually, it's, it's a huge thing that we do. Um, I think getting FaceTime with clients is absolutely invaluable to building relationships and understanding their business. Um, so I think a combination of networking via service, meeting lots of people, getting your contractors or even the people that you place permanently to do the work for you, referring you into their, their colleagues as well. Um, and we do a lot around like market mapping as well. So if you place with one client, where are the other sites, whether they're in the same country or whether they're abroad, map them out because it's a much easier call to ring somebody and say we've placed with you we've got terms with the business than ringing a completely cold prospect so trying to be as strategic as possible with what it is that you're doing as well nice john i'm gonna come to you on that one what what comes up for you what do you consistently find amongst your teams in terms of like the clients that have gone from spending 100 grand a year with you to two three hundred yeah sorry i got absolutely <laughs> distracted then <laughs> um yeah, now there's uh, oh, obviously. Savage. That's about to take a picture. Hey, yes. yes. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> it's, it's basically going to take two more photos, isn't it? <laughs> it's right, mate. It's, uh, fucking hell. <laughs> One second, gonna, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. You can turn that back off. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Is that, is that done? Oh, there's one more. Oh my god. Wow. Right. So yeah, sorry. John, what are we saying? Expanding existing accounts. What what tends to be the most effective way for you and your team? Do you think? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. I like what Amy said. Um, obviously, mapping out a market as well and, and sort of going into everything. Wow. 
Um, I'll just carry on for the sake of it. But, <laughs> uh, you've got to kind of look at it two ways. Like you've got your, your current client base and then we look at it from two points of view. So like a strategic point of view. Okay. So what's going to happen with this account over the next three, six, nine, 12 months? Yeah. What's the plans for us? What's our objectives? How are we going to do it? Um, and I guess the second way of looking at it is like tactical. Okay. So tactical stuff is going on now. What jobs are they live? What are we working? Is it contingent, retained, exclusive? Yeah. How are we adding value and how are we going to go from there? So like getting into accounts and expanding them is like short-term and long-term. So there's two different ways to look at it. And then on, on the, on the get that, on the long-term piece, just interested, like what, so if you get into an account, you do a good job, make a placement or two placements, what key things are you looking for that indicate to you and your team that, right, this is account could one, could definitely be someone that's, yeah, given us five, 10, 15, 20 jobs a year. What you said on the strategic side, what sort of levers or things do you look for? Yeah, no, again, good point. So like, I think everyone's opportunistic in recruitment. We all want to do well. So, you know, we're all beating with like an upfront contract. So like, give me this job on a whatever basis. If I fill it, what are you going to do with your next three hires? Come to me exclusively. So kind of making that upfront contract with the clients, locking them in from an early stage. um, And then obviously looking at the different parts of the the business that we can add value to. It's like the market mapping maybe that Amy was saying, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I think what Amy says as well, like she was like zone in on your what you do, like don't go off two piece too much because yeah. you go down a rabbit hole and maybe sometimes you think you can do everything. Whereas if you're just adding value into the certain sector you recruit into, you're gonna you know, get other candidates, generate other candidates, put them into your other businesses. So you kind of become your niche. Yeah, okay. So um, what we'll do then is I, I, I want us to, the, the next segment, just to talk a bit about how I, I think I've spoken to a lot of people and a lot of people submit questions around how are people feeling in the next six, 12 months, all those types of things. But I guess before we do, what I've tried to do here is, I guess just create an opportunity for you guys to share with us, like what are some of the challenges that maybe we haven't even touched on here? Again, to try and make you guys feel included when it comes to the discussion and what we're talking about. So if for those of you that are connected to the Wi-Fi, there's an opportunity here just to share um, with us what, what have been or what are some of your biggest challenges currently. And then depending on what plays out here, we can have a bit of a chat. Um, what's that? Can't see. So yeah. And then yeah, th- this this will play out into the, the next six, 12 months as well. We can see if we're surprised by anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to one here. So Amy, I'm gonna come to you on this one not having consistent performances each month. What, like again, I know you said you, you like you fit, yeah, like your team have been doing really well. But again, you've been in the game for a while. When it comes to looking at people, looking at people you've managed, like what do you think are some of the, the things that you see when it comes to people not consistently performing each month? What are the common things that you see when someone has a really good month, two months they don't, then the next month they do? Yeah, I mean, it's sales, isn't it? So it's not always going to be plain sailing. But the the big thing that I look out for and what we talk about all the time is like the W effect. So like good month, bad month, good month, bad month, because okay. you're never going to really, really progress if, if you're doing that. I think not getting complacent is obviously yeah. really, really important. You have an amazing month. It's like I'm smashing it, feet up the best, best performers never, ever get complacent. They just always, always want more. And I think having the discipline, despite how well things are going, to still do the basics every day, to still hit the numbers every day, that's what's going to take you from being a great recruiter to an absolute top biller. And that's what is going to mean that you might have one bad or two bad months a year, not four or five. Um, How, How do you spot complacency? Oh, it's so easy. Getting in a little bit later, leaving a bit earlier, phone time's not as high, being cutting corners a little bit on process. You you can spot it a mile away. You can see it really, really quickly. And actually, all it takes is a quick chat with somebody and often they know it themselves and they're straight back in line again. But it's actually recognising it and doing something about it for yourself and your business that's the important thing because when you're thinking about top performers or consistent salespeople, yes, you've got a manager and a leader, but ultimately it's got to come from you. Mm. We're here to support, to motivate, you know, to challenge you at times, but 
it's your desk, it's your business. You've got to have that burning drive, desire, ambition, discipline to do what you need to do every day because nobody's going to pick the phone up for you. Okay. So thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, John, I'm going to come to you on this one. So um, I think we've spoken a bit about, Cole shared a bit about the way that he's gone about attracting candidates and a few different things, but candidate management, like, I, have, you, have you guys been experiencing that because of how busy it's been, you headhunt a candidate and, and these people have several options. Um, and yeah, I speak to so many recruiters that are having more dropouts than they ever had and, and these things. So I guess what comes up for you when it comes to thinking about, again, you and your team, you and you guys internally, what are some of the things that you really had to get sharp on when it comes to candidate management and getting those people an offer, but actually having these people start and do that when it comes to, to candidate management? Because obviously a lot of these people are sport for choice. Yeah, no, no, good point. Um, I think something typically recruiters are really good at is getting happy ears. Happy ears. Uh, I've got a candidate in process. I've got a deal like, you know, yeah. it's never the case. Like we all know it's, you know, five, six, seven interviews before the job's boxed off in perm. Obviously contract's quite different. Um, so I think it's about understanding like, is a short list filled? What are the quality of candidates like? And something we've introduced into Strive lately is like um, a deal risking methodology. Okay. So we're looking at different aspects of like the candidate. We're risking whether we feel they're going to get the job. And the reality is you have to sit down and say if, if half of the shortlist really aren't interested in this job or they're interviewing in five or six different other processes, then we need to do more work on it. Okay. Because what you don't want to do is get to a point where you think this job's boxed. I'll take on two more then you've got to go back to it and work that. And before you know it, you've got too much to handle and um, then something slips. So I think just focusing on happy years and then deal risking is like a really important sector. So to deal risk framework. What, what are some of the, I don't have to give all of them obviously, but like what, what would be some of the things that you would go that deals at risk out of interest? Cause I think people would be interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think like two of the obvious ones are like money. Yeah. So candidates who are like really money orientated, money hungry, like I don't care where I work or what I do. It's just, yeah. Who's going to pay me the most? Um, and I think it's also important to look at like what other processes these candidates are in, getting them to rank those processes and un understand from your point of view, like how how likely are they to sort of rank this better than everything else? Okay. So if you're just looking at those two, first of all, it's a really good starting point because I think it's something we've all got guilty of is getting to a certain point and thinking, yeah, it's done this. And, and the reality is it isn't. Like we've probably got a little bit sloppy. Nice. So let, let's talk about let, let, let's segue here. Let, let's talk about the next sort of six months or so. Carl, I'm going to come to you first. Been in, been in the game for a while. What are we saying? What, what, how are you feeling about the next six months? Let's just start there. Like, what's top of mind? So, I, mate, personally, I think there's um, feeling pretty positive. I know there's a lot of murmurs about a recession and all this kind of stuff, but we've not heard a great deal. You know, hopefully in six months' time, I've not been proven wrong, and I'm. Look so like have, you, have you found things slow down? Not slow down? Not, not really, mate. Outside, you know, we work with some clients that are like, you know, maybe private, uh, private equity backed. You know, yeah. so like Series A startups, for example, they've paused a little bit, um, more just out of caution. But okay. other than that, you know, other, you know, we're still having conversations, mate, about taking on 30, 40, 50 man retain projects over the next 12 months so so overall feeling positive amy how are you how are you feeling yeah the same to be honest i think we're in very carefully chosen sectors so my old division was engineering and we made the the strategic switch because we had to mm. with covid so renewable energy is it's the perfect storm really it's government backed but privately owned businesses that need to make a profit so you put it both together and then the entire world's got like a green energy target. It's not really a case of like spend or not. It's we have to do it because we've pledged that we're going to do it on a political level. So mm. I feel like, again, same as Kyle, I hope I'm not proven wrong. But so far, we're not hearing of any sort of slowdowns or anything like that. So I just hope that it continues. John? Uh, yeah, no, I was speaking to Adam today. He's been in the tech sector like quite a lot longer than me. Um, and I think we can all agree in tech, like last year was probably the best year of recruitment we've, we've ever had, like undoubtedly, um, especially on the back of 2020. So probably will be a little bit peaks and troughs, but I think- So you've noticed things slowing up, slow, obviously have you no, started like, seeing things? It's a, it's a bit of a niche right now, actually. I was telling the guys in the Monday sales meeting that there are still an abundance of jobs in the market 
some organizations have let staff go. So that just means there's more candidates and more jobs in the market. Mm. Might be different in three or six months, but the reality is right now there's, you know, if someone says to me, oh, there's a recession, I can't fill a job, like bollocks really. It's yeah. like, this is a good time. So Amy, I thought this is a really um, interesting question that got shared and I wanna to come to you with it first. I guess what, what decisions then do you think we can make as recruiters, recruitment professionals, which a lot of the people here are, um, what decisions can they make today that um, they, they feel like they'll thank themselves for in, in six months time? Like what is it that they need to prioritize, keep prioritizing, focusing on that, uh, yeah, they're gonna give themselves a, a nice pat on the back in, in six months time and be yeah, best protected, best prepared? No, nobody knows what's going to happen. Like, and you can either control what you're going to control, what you can control. So I think it's just about doing the basics properly, no matter how your business operates. We as a business, we're very numbers and KPI driven. Um, it's not right or wrong, other businesses aren't. But whatever it is that you're told to do that works and works for your business, work the metrics, work your ratios, best practice, basics, do it consistently every single day. And the deals will look after themselves. And in six months time, you'll look back and be like, I'm really glad I did that groundwork now because it's starting to pay off. How do you, I know everyone says that, like back to basics. How, how would you describe the basics? I think just when you rewind right back to the beginning of your career and you, you're taught how to do the job, not cutting corners, every time you're speaking to a candidate, gathering information in terms of other projects, job leads, references, current managers, when you're speaking to clients, objection handle properly, you know, map out your market effectively and be as strategic with, with what you're doing as possible. Make your life as easy as possible. And if you know what works for you, I always say to my team, you know, pick something that's your thing. Obviously, you've got to do a little bit of everything. But what is your thing and really master it and really push mm. yourself on it? I said, I think I said earlier, my, mine was meetings. I knew if I could get in front of a client, I'd win that business. So I used to just, double the target for myself. So pick your thing, master it, and, and stick at it. Really lean into that. Yeah. Um, Carl, I'm gonna come to you with this. I wanna, I wanna see what you say. This is like a really like negative potential outcome. Okay. Just see how you'd react. Um, so if all your clients stopped hiring tomorrow, <laughs> what, what, would be, what would be your game plan? What would be your approach? <laughs> <laughs> Where, where would you start? Where would you go? Well, I'd, let all, I'd let all them in that are waiting at the door, mate. But, right, yeah? Come on. <laughs> now you can come. Um, but no, yeah, some of, your, some of your key accounts. So, Carl, really sorry. We've had an absolute fucking mare. We had to let 30% of our team go. Got no budget. Agency spend. Done. What are we doing? What would be the approach? So, I think, um, obviously, our approach is very different to a lot of other businesses approach like for me I think you double down on community okay like I think I, I personally think that's where the future's going that's why the that's why we operate the way we do again it's not right or it's not wrong right yeah. but if you are if you're creating communities of people within your target audience whether that's client whether that's candidate right and you can add value to them in some way shape or form yeah. and you're visible with that right that's where that's where success comes from in my opinion like I think that's that that'd be the stuff that I would probably do even more of at that okay. point because, you know, the, as we all know, right, recruitment's crowded, it's saturated. Even in the more niche markets, there's now a lot of other players. It's like yeah. you just need to be known as the player. Mm. Simple as that. Okay, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a different question. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so I'm gonna give you a different scenario, but it's related. If, if, you, if you were actively consistently headhunting people and the consistent response that you got was, John, look, sounds really interesting, but right now it's safer to stay put. Me moving in the economic downturn in a challenging market, that, that's too risky. Like, what, again, this might have been something that you experienced in COVID. So, what, again, what will come up for you when in terms of navigating a, a consistent objection like that that people might start facing or, or feeling with how negative things can be online. Yeah, no, it's a tough objection. Obviously, we've all had it during COVID. Um, I think there's like probably two ways to look at it. Um, the first is if an organization is hiring through a really tough time, like it probably says something about them. Mm. 
if they're hiring and they've got a run rate, a burn rate to employ their staff for a number of years and they're in a market which maybe is recession-proof or COVID-proof, whatever it is, then probably is a bit of a different story, so it's a different sell. Mm. Um, I think as well, like, you've got to consider when it's a boom and all the candidates are looking, maybe salaries aren't as competitive and perhaps there's a stronger stronger room for negotiation. But I think ultimately, on like any deal with a candidate, like it's it's not just about money. Like dig into the drivers. You know what are you currently happy with? What would it take for you to consider a move right now? Um, you know they'll tell you a couple of things, ask another why, and then you, you start to generally get the truth. And once you understand the candidate's drivers, whether it's they want to progress to leadership, whether it's they want to diversify in something else, sell different product, whatever it is, like you've got something to sell on. They've got an incentive to understand your call. Mm. So it's it's about one or two aspects really. But yeah, I, I take it on that approach. Okay, so obviously you love that. Thanks for sharing that. Anyway, I'm gonna come to you on this. Obviously we, we've, we've remained all quite positive and I absolutely love that. I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist myself. Oh, you had some good views on this, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> What's, um, but like, so a lot of the questions that came through were just like, Again, just, just sharing insight perspective. So from your perspective, what, what do you see some of the future challenges being um, that people in here may expect, that your team might expect? What, what comes up for you? <laughs> we were having a I knew joke I'd get this question. <laughs> I mean, look, like I said before, we don't know what's around the corner. Yep. We are, there are murmurs of a potential recession I don't know. One one of the challenges that that we're experiencing as a team because we do a lot of international yeah. um, projects, we've relied really really heavily on the mobilisation of people. Okay. And since Brexit, a lot of the EU laws have just started to kick in over the last few months, so we can no longer send UK nationals into the likes of Scandinavia, Central Europe, without like a twelve week lead time that's really really expensive. Um, and we relied really, really heavily on that to deliver a lot of our international business. So we're having to look at alternative solutions to that, um, setting up entities in these different countries, changing our strategy somewhat. So I guess in the immediate horizon, they're the challenges that, that we're mm. facing. Um, in terms of other things, you just don't know, do you? The, the thing I always say, though, if you're great at recruitment, you can apply it to any sector in any industry. It's a process at the end of the day. Yeah. That's one of the beauties about this job is it's so fluid. You can become a master at recruitment, whether that's permanent, retained, contract, projects, whatever it might be. If your sector and your industry has a downturn, which happens, we've been there recently, if you're good at your job, you can apply it to a new sector and you can be successful. So there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be something. And if it is a downturn, you just need to move into a sector that isn't. Our biggest challenge is finding good people, to be honest, both for our own business and for our clients as well. Mm. And, and that right now is, is the, the, the main challenge that as, as a business we're really trying to overcome. Okay. So again, we can't predict the future, obviously. I like that answer. <laughs> <laughs> so again, to, to keep all of you you guys included in this, I guess, again, a bit of an opportunity here to talk about things that we may have missed, challenges that maybe you feel like might be more strongly about that might be around the corner, we, we can talk about them. So again, please do, do share these in terms of what, what are you most concerned about going into the next six to 12 months? Depending on what gets shared here, we can again talk about this and then we'll do some actual Q&A, make sure you guys are getting your questions answered and, and have uh, any specific questions for the you guys, we'll, we'll answer them. But let's have a look at this then, guys, and see what, what, what we're missing, what challenges maybe we haven't thought about or maybe people are putting more importance on. Yeah, so candidates not wanting to move due to the economic downturn. They've obviously touched on that with John. Companies putting a freeze on all recruitment. The unknown of, yeah, I mean, like you were saying that, weren't you, in terms of the unknown of if your market is going to continue to be busy. What, what things do you look for in that when it comes to the actual fucking hell? <laughs> it's just getting, it's just gone off. I'll, I'll put it back on. I can answer, don't worry. Yeah, so the, the, <laughs> que the question to Amy there is like, what, what things can we look at right now in terms of 
that, that's going to give us confidence that our markets are recession-proof, that they are future-proof if, if things do start tightening up? Like what? Because obviously you've, you've made some moves and, and refocused, didn't you? So what, what is it that you, you look for? It's, re it's really, really simple. Job numbers. That's it. Job numbers per head. That, that is the only metric, really. As long as all the inputs are there um, in terms of business conversations, data, leads, meetings, all of that, the inputs... If job numbers are down, you need to look at who you're ringing first and is there a training issue. If mm. there's not and it's consistent across the entire team, then there's a potential there that, that there's going to be a little bit of a downturn. And actually, it's my job or anyone who's in a senior job to make those decisions early before it becomes a problem. Yeah, so job job flow is like the number one. Absolutely, really, really simple. Every, every single week, my, num my, two, my two things that I look for are interviews per day, jobs per day. Interviews per day, jobs per day. Solid. Um, Carl, how do you feel about this? The one I'm going to come to is having to potentially navigate cost reductions if client budgets get tighter. I don't know how you feel about that. What, what, how, how would you navigate clients saying, look, Carl, we've given you a lot of business. You've seen it's, it's got a bit tighter. What, what, can you do? what can you do in your, your fees? Can you reduce them? I don't know. What, how, how, how are you going to be navigating that if that, if that comes up for you? Well, I guess that depends how bad it gets, mate, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think, look, broadly speaking, right, if you, if you back yourself and your yeah. service, then, as Amy said before, like, you know, most companies, for some reason, think that the more work they give you, the more, the bigger discount more cheaper you, should should, you should give. I think with that, again, it depends how bad it is in terms of the situation, but the conversations that we have start to span longer term. Yeah. So like the questions that I ask on a, on a call, you know, the market's good, so everyone's hiring in multiples, but I'll try to look 12 months ahead. So, okay, how, how many of these people are within this team or within this unit do you think you're going to need to hire in the next 12 months? Mm. Because then you can start to pitch bigger, longer term, you know, more strategic revenue. Yeah. And then it allows you to bring the conversation back to say, well, look, we can do something on the cost, but we need more commitment for it from you. Mm. Okay, nice. John, anything for you on that? Um, no, that's a really good point. So um, I just think basically with a client, sometimes it depends on the situation you are. Sometimes you have to let them fail. Mm. Um, you know, when clients come to us and, you know, we charge the margins and they try to reduce us and say like, look at the value of our service rather mm. than the cost of it. Sure. You know, you're arguing over a few grand. All right, it's quite a lot in your budget, but it, you know, it's not like everybody in the world can deliver the same service. So, I think if you get to the point and you add loads of value and you can get the client to see the value in a different position, and then if they ask you for cost reduction, no problem. Help me understand your hires over the next year, mm. and then you're so in a different long, negotiation long term, yeah. point of view. Let me put it as a project, and all of a sudden you've you're doing a discovery and you're asking requirements. Yeah, and you're in a completely different ball game. Love it. So let, let's move this on then to, to questions from you, uh, lovely lot. I feel like this is a quite, I know we've spoken a lot about the, uh, the next six, 12 months, uh, but I think this is a bit more specific on, maybe, Amy, I'm going to come to you on this. I know you love a day plan. Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, so question is from Jenna, after the news that we're entering a recession, what would you advise to, what does that say? What would you advise to add into a daily plan that would help avoid being affected by it? Yeah, so I think the key thing there is you'd need to have a day plan. So event, obviously, I said it a lot in my podcast. <laughs> always, always plan the night before. It's so, so important. I think, look, if there's a potential of that, you've got to spread the risk. So you need to be adding as much data as possible, reaching out to as many clients as possible in your market, but really, really honing down on a niche. Again, don't pick up jobs that aren't in your market because you'll end up being a bit of a jack of all trades and you're not going to be famous for anything. Our chairman, his big, big thing is what are you famous for? What are you famous for? Because if there is a recession, but you are the go-to person, you're not going to be affected by it because you're going to still pick up business because you're the expert in that field. Mm. So stay disciplined, stick to what you know, become a master, provide an amazing service with the clients that you're working with and continually try and win new business in the same area. And you should, I'm saying it won't affect you, but I think right, it'll yeah. affect you as little as possible. John, I'm going to come to you on this one. Question from Millie. When hiring new talent for your teams, what is your biggest red flag in a candidate? 
hiring in my internal? Yeah. Oh, that's the a good question. Billy, really great question. You get solid. To, yeah, you yeah. get to do your pitch now, mate. Go on. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest, yeah, red flag that you're like, no, done. Interview. Over. Um, it's a good. It's a good point. I probably have on the flip side a number of things I do look for. Yeah. But if something was like a turn off for me, is just somebody who's who's got no like longevity with something like okay. show me some commitment, show me something you've done for a while that's taken a little bit of pain and you've got some reward. Like, you know, if, if you've always started something and sacked it off, I'm like, well, you've got no persistence to grit about you really. Mm. So I think in recruitment, especially if you were to go in a bad time and I don't, I don't know if we will, you know, if you've not got that persistence and grit about you, like what's going to happen in the bad mm. times. Um, okay. So I think for me, that would be like a bit of a turn off. Carl, biggest red flag? What do you look for? Here we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, Obviously, you, you have your own business, so you, you must have, I'm sure you have, there's going to be a few things maybe. So I, th I think there's probably a couple of things here. So uh, similar to, to John in some instances, but um, I think adaptability is a massive thing. Adaptability? Yeah. So, so like someone that isn't adaptable would be a red flag. Yeah. So like when you try and probe around that, th people that are like stuck in the ways, don't right. want to learn new things, yeah. like, especially with the markets evolving the way we are, you know, we're talking yeah. about entering a recession or whatever the case may be. So I think that's massive. The other thing which we've seen quite a lot of over the last 12 months is people slagging off their old employer. Wow. And I think that's pretty shit, to be honest with you. Like, you know, how bad, it doesn't matter how bad it is. Like, just yeah, keep don't, it. don't keep spend the hour conversation with me, 55 minutes telling me how shit they are. What, what I take from that, because this has come up a lot, is like, basically, they're not taking responsibility accountability and it's easy to, easy to point the finger okay Millie great question uh, what we got here from Maria what have you found da, da, da. I feel like actually I'm gonna come to you in on this one more specific about new market so what have you found most effective when winning new business when entering a new market so maybe think about when you're really trying to kick on in the uh, renewable energy space what, what ended up being the most effective way to, to build that it all starts with the beginning of the life cycle, which is candidates. Okay. If you've got the best people, you can break into clients, even if they've got other suppliers, a PSL, whatever. If mm. you've got the best people, they, they can't ignore you. Yeah. So get the candidates on board first, work with some fantastic people, market them out to multiple clients, and eventually clients will start to work with you. John, I know you've been obviously building traction in the, in the US. What, what have you found to be the most effective approach when, when building out that new market? Do you think, what, what have you found go, fucking, I know what, that, that's really working or that continues to, to be the best way to, to build new relationships in, in, in this new market? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a really broad question, isn't it? Because you've got the client and candidate piece mm. and like, I, I take it back a couple of questions ago where I was like, we've got an, a type of client we specifically go after yeah. um, and there's like a few of us in the business who do business development and we have different verticals within us. But once we get that client on, it's just about delivering um, because the client might grow and will grow with them about expanding the accounts. Um, and I think for us, you know, two years ago when I joined the business, it was like very job led, you get a job and there was an abundance of candidates to go out to market with. Mm -hmm. And and now maybe it's evened up a little bit. So to attract top talent is extremely hard. And then to attract like the kind of businesses we specifically want to work for is, is equally as hard. Okay. Um, so it's just about having that exact strategy, not having a... So um, again, coming back to being famous for something like... Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll reiterate with Amy, really. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So I think we've got one more here before we then go to people can submit them. So Carl, I'm going to come to you on this one. It was a question from Nick. I like this one. Carl. What one career mistake would you like to go back and correct? Oh, I've had some absolute stinkers, mate. Um, <laughs> if you could pick one. Um, Be so, honest. So basically, yeah. who's here? Who do I know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a funny story. So All right. once upon a time, right, yeah. way back when, when I first started, contract, I got a bit of intel off this like really senior guy and I was like, right, this is, this is mega. Like it was on the inside of a big tech business. Right. So basically I took that information, mail shot it out to a load of clients thinking, <laughs> right, they're going to be like all over it. Right. Cause yeah. like 
I'm in the know before they are. And it turns out that this information might not have been as reliable as it ought to be. (laughs) Uh, Which which resulted in uh, SAP basically trying to sue the business that I worked for. Um, That's that's probably... (laughs) I mean, you know... Mate, they they, they took... Mate, right, listen. They told me to mail shot, so that's what you get, right? You know what I mean? That's what you get for mail shotting, mate. So. Yeah, fair. Thanks for sharing that. Amy, what one career mistake would you like know. to I don't know. I'm like looking at my team, like, help me. <laughs> you can think of a few. Come on. Okay. Come on. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many, isn't there? Every mistake is a lesson learned. <laughs> I honestly don't there, know. There's any... been a lot. There's been a lot. I think you, you, <laughs> you have to make mistakes to get back. Can you think of some? Go on. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> hiring him. No, I'm joking. <laughs> right, it doesn't do, work for me anymore. Right, he started Amy, his own you, company. <laughs> Amy, you have a think, right? I, right, I want come, you to be honest. Can you come back come to me? Point, I, don't, yeah. I honestly don't John, know. Help me. Help what me. one career mistake would you like to go back and correct, my friend? Uh, I mean, I've made a lot, but I think probably one of the biggest ones up there was um, I, I was a recruiter with like nine months experience at the time. Yeah. I picked up a worldly candidate yeah. and I fucking specced him into their own job. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, done that. <laughs> that was very, very bad, that. Yeah, it, it didn't go down too well. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Amy? All right, fine. Yeah, we, we agree. We can learn from mistakes, All but right. we I want think, the mistake. I think, yeah, sit not too far, far off what John's just said. Okay. Very, very new. Was past a job when I started rang the manager that was hiring as a candidate to pitch the job to him and he said to me well i'm actually the person that's hiring so it gives me absolutely no hope that you have a clue what you're doing <laughs> and that you can fill this job but i went on to place about 20 people with him in the end so nice. it was Happy all right, all right. But, thanks yeah. for sharing thanks that, for though. the inspiration John. <laughs> um so look before we before we finish and wrap up here again using this technology that has been hasn't been perfect so what you can do with this is you can type anything. Let, let's, keep it, let's keep it adult. Let's not go rogue. <laughs> but there's some, let, as we wrap up here, let's give it like five, five minutes or so. You guys can put any questions on here. It is anonymous. And they'll show up on here. I have a long up fuck here now. Right, let's see what happens. Okay, so we got, tell me more about your record quarter. Let's definitely not fucking answer that. Uh, okay, nice. Amy, I know you, you touched on this, being obviously the only fucking woman on, on the stage. What, like, yeah, talk, talk to us. Like, you're up here with three guys. You've, you've built a career in a highly competitive environment, which is typically surrounded by men. Talk to me, why, like, what would you say to women wanting to get into recruitment? Do, do, do they have the edge? I would say, do it. It's, it's, yeah, I never really knew what recruitment was when I got into it, to be honest, but I couldn't imagine doing anything else now. I think it, it's definitely seen as more of a male-dominated industry. I think that that is starting to change. When you think about the skill set required to be successful in recruitment, it's about building relationships, understanding people, reading between the lines, having a really high level of emotional intelligence, being conscientious, detail-orientated, organized. So many of these things lend themselves to a typical female profile that I think gets overlooked because everybody just assumes it's this like really hot and heavy dog-eat-dog sales job, which of course it is at times, but really it's it's not about that and there's some really really incredible successful females in recruitment and i just would want to encourage anybody to get into it and those females that are in it to get your friends to 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 do it as well because i just think there's so many characteristics that typically lend themselves to a female that are natural that will help you be successful okay love it right Right, we might be a bit longer than five minutes. We've got some belter questions in here, so I want to make sure we get through them. So, Carl, uh, wait, let me show this one. 
Kyle, before besides getting sued, what did you guys, what did you do differently? To everyone else in your business that led you to where you are, do you think? What did you do differently? Like this question. <laughs> um, so I think I came from a very traditional background, kind of similar to, to, to both uh, Amy and John. Um, I think the thing that probably put me in the position I am today is I was just willing to try different things quite early on. So like things like events, things like podcasts. I, I you know, 2018, I started doing that stuff. I think yeah. that's the thing that probably helped me to, to go to go differently. Um, okay. you know, other than that, mate, before that, I was just doing the same as everyone else, like smashing the numbers, so. Uh, John, coming to you on this one. Advice for someone who lacks confidence in their ability. Thanks for sharing that. Whoever yeah. shared that. Um, a couple of things, really, that come straight to mind. Um, I'll start with probably the most recent one. So, you know, our, our directors are really good enough that they, they invest a lot in the business. Um, and I think when you look at recruitment, the reality is it's like four or 5% training and 95% on the sales. Whereas I look at like the top athletes in the world, football teams, tennis players, they spend 96, 7% of the time training. And the reality is like a couple, couple of percent game time. Um, so I, so I've invested a bit in, you know, a life coach recently, a guy called Chris Oil, like highly recommend him, help yeah. him with not just like, you know, your sales aspect, but your mental health, your thinking. Um, so if you're lacking confidence, I think there's a, a strong network in Manchester, never mind just recruitment that you can reach out to. And there's, you know, there's people like yourself with great contacts that I'm sure you would put consultants in touch with. So I think half of the battle is like reaching out. And then once you do reach out and you have a few chats, you build your confidence and you're on your first stepping stone there. Love it. Uh, Amy, come and chew with this one. How do you stay motivated when you're at the top? I don't know, I always just feel like, for me, I have a real fear of failure. <laughs> okay. So that's what motivates me personally, is the fear of failing or losing drives me harder than the like motivation of being the best. So for me personally, that's what it is, but I think, in general, it's just about always remembering your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? What are your goals? And if you can always remember that and your why is bigger than what it takes to get there, you'll always be at the top, whether that's the top of the business or just at the top of where you want to be, yeah. that's what will keep you there. Love it. Uh, Kyle? <laughs> yeah. I think I've been calling you Carl all night. Have you? <laughs> I've not even I've I've noticed, mate. your Carl. accent. Yeah. Have I been calling you Carl instead of I think, I think it's your, like, you, you sound funny, mate, so. Because I'm, I'm getting, actually, like, bad questions here. Where <laughs> basically, is your name Carl or Kyle? Kyle. K-Y-L-E. You've got a fucking flyer on your seat. <laughs> um, right, I had a question. Right, here we go. So, I'll come to this one for you, Kyle. <laughs> Big, biggest challenge when converting contingency recruitment to retained and how to overcome? I was having this conversation with John before. So we, we've been really lucky in obviously starting the business September 2020. We started as we were only going to do retained. So mm. when you start something like that, that's the model you go with. That's what you're pitching. That's, that's all you know and you're not going to deviate from that. I imagine it's really difficult when you've got clients that are used to working with your contingent um, to try and convert that. But I think, you know, we I managed to do it previously and before I, before I set up um, pretty well. Again, it was with new clients that necessarily didn't know any different. Okay. Um, but I think... <sighs> I mean, you've got to play to the to the advantage of the market at the minute, right? So if the market's good, candidates are hard to come by. You know, you've got to lean on things like they get first refusal on candidates. Mm. Um, you know, all of that type of stuff where you're going to focus time, energy, what, resource into that. Sorry to butt in, but what about, I feel like when I speak to people about this, the most common objection that they share with me is, Kyle, we've always worked contingency while I work with you retained. Um... <sighs> Again, mate, for me, and this is difficult for me to answer because a lot of our work comes inbound. Fair. So 
when it comes inbound, it's really, you know, you're on your terms, right? You've, yeah, kind yeah, of, you've, you've got yeah, the you've leverage. Got leverage. You're like, look, yeah. you've come to me. This is how we work. Yeah. Um, Fair. All right. Sorry, I, what, what, I wasn't much right. used there, mate, was I? Uh, I thought this is an interesting one. In the past two years, a lot of vacancies have been remote working. Are you now struggling with getting candidates to get back to face-to-face or hybrid working? And how are you dealing with that? John, I'm going to come to you with that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's reality. A lot of bigger businesses went remote, and that, that's great. Um, oh, wait. yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, Karen, it just I went on, you it went on behind me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of businesses went remote, and a lot of bigger businesses did, but... Uh, I've always worked in an office where it's mainly office-led and if you need to work from home, you can do. Um, I'm a little bit old school in the sense of like, I appreciate the buzz of an office. Like, I like going out for the guys and girls with a beer after work. So um, whilst I think working remote is important, it'll probably gather a lot more traction over the next few years. It's, I haven't had much personal experience. So what, how have you dealt with candidates though, saying like, look John, I, like, I'm, I want this job, but I want it fully remote. Are we on about recruitment? Sorry, we're on about, can, yeah, about candidates. So question is, if you're, if you're speaking to candidates about jobs, your client is, they want to be in, the, they want them to be in the office Tuesday, yeah, like yeah. their Thursday, they're going, fuck off, John, I want it fully remote. Yeah, no, that's fair. So that's just taking your, your simple job spec, your job brief, like you negotiate on every part of a job spec, you yeah. know, the salary, like if I had an A-star candidate would do this, you know, if I had an A-star candidate met the brief, would you allow them two days working? So you just kind of pushing your boundaries when you take a job spec really and that's when you'll know and if if they don't have any flex then don't even bother with the candidate right we're going to do two more questions and then we'll wrap it up so i think we've spoken a a lot about this so let me uh just bring this up which is uh what do you guys do differently sorry two seconds let's do advice on Right, we spoke about this a lot. Amy, what comes up for you on this? Why do you think there is such a challenge in hiring good talent in Manchester? Because there's so many recruitment companies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah? Um, Yeah, I think that there are a lot of recruitment companies in Manchester. I feel like outside of London, it's probably the the biggest place. There's also a lot of really good companies as well that offer really great EVPs, benefits, incentives, and things like that. I also think as well, you can attract them, but what it takes to be successful in recruitment is it's really difficult. So you get a lot of people who think they want it and they genuinely do, but then when, when it comes to it, they, they don't. And it does take a certain type of character to, to make it in recruitment. So I think that, that adds to it as well. So we have a really, really rigorous um, internal recruitment process mm. to try and obviously make us, you know, take the risk out of the decision as much as possible. But I think ultimately there's a lot of careers out there. Recruitment isn't necessarily something people go to uni and think I want to be a recruiter. You tend to fall into it. It's a lot of competition and it's a really hard job. And I think a combination of all of those things together Mm. is what makes it so challenging. Okay, so I think we're going to end on this one. John, do your stand-up comedy sketch. I, I have no Mate, idea. I didn't, I didn't ask the question. Come on, John. Do you actually have a comedy sketch? No, nah, no. Nah, we, we had a guy in today and he was like doing us on public speaking and we had to sell a joke and like mine is not appropriate and I'm not doing <laughs> it. I, I categorically am not doing it. <laughs> um, well, look, I think, look, let, let's end it there. I think I just want to say um, massive, let's put uh, hands together for Kyle. But... Amy, John. Thanks to uh, all you lovely lot for coming.